what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Over here is Chris. Hello, everyone. Chris is over on the other side of the table. Us. It's been a while. We, had, we did take a little break. It's been a few additional weeks since our last episode. That's not common for us. No. But we had a very good reason. That's right. Uh, we did hold our second annual Foot Candle Film Festival in late September. So needless to say, that got us a little preoccupied. And Just even the fallout from the festival, all of the post-festival activities and duties have also been a little time-consuming. But we're back. We are back. The festival was a roaring success. We'll be talking about it a little bit more throughout the episode because it's actually going to kind of tie in to a couple of our reviews we'll be holding during today's episode. This is Foot Candle Films. This is our show where we talk about movies, mainly with film reviews, but then we also like to throw in some movie news, discussions about some upcoming movie film projects we know about, and then we cap off every episode with our recommendation for the month. This is a film that we're recommending you either check out. Maybe you, maybe it slipped under the radar. Maybe it uh, uh, is one worth revisiting or in some situations. Maybe it's one we think that uh, you may have an interest in seeing now, a fairly new film as well that's available to see. So what we'll do is go through the episode. We'll go through three reviews today. Chris, kind of a big episode. It is. Three reviews. A lot going on. We've got three films we want to talk about. First up is going to be the New Zealand film Hunt for the Wilder People. We'll be following that up with a discussion about the film The Fits, as well as the documentary Tower. And the main reason we're bringing up those last two is those two were films that we showed at our film festival just uh, three weeks ago. And uh, we have some reactions we want to share with you on both of those two films. Then we'll move into our discussion, which this, this episode is a special event on our news item. It's the Trailer Park edition of our news as we talk about trailers. Chris has got some trailer information to share with us. And then we'll go to our recommendations. So, Chris, we got a lot to cover. Yes. A lot to do. Why don't we just go ahead and jump right on into it? That sounds good to you. Yes, absolutely. Great. We'll go right into our first review, which is Hunt for the Wilder People. Ricky Baker. He is a bad egg. A youth court regular. But we're hoping that this change of scene will help straighten him out. You hungry? That's a silly question, isn't it? Look at you. <laughs> Ricky Baker, now you are 13 years old. You are a teenager and you're as good as gold. Ricky, this is heck. You can call him uncle if you like. No, I can't. Mama told me to tell you that you should give me something to do. Is there anything you want me to do? Yeah. Leave me alone. Oh. Chris, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of the director. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Waititi. Yes. Taika Waititi. Yes. Okay, so Taika Waititi, director and writer of Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. Our viewers or listeners may know him better as one of the vampires from What We Do in the Shadows. Which we reviewed. We did review. We both are big fans of that film. 
He played one of the vampires, and he was also the director of that film as well. Mm-hmm. He has made a couple other films. I think he made one film. Did, was it Boy? Was that the one yeah, you saw? Yeah, and I recommended it here on the you show. You did? Yeah. And uh, kind of interestingly, he's actually the director coming up uh, with the third Thor movie is what he's attached to, which is kind of interesting. We'll maybe allude to that a little bit as we talk about this film. But here we have the film Hunt for the Wilder People, which is actually shot in New Zealand mm-hmm. with mostly a New Zealand cast as well. So it actually is him doing something a little more in his native country there. Uh, the idea behind the film is we have a young rebellious kid who goes to live with a foster family. And during the course of the film, he and his foster uncle become involved with a manhunt. People looking for the two of them out in the bush, out in the big wilderness there in the New Zealand frontier. And uh, this does star Sam Neill as the uncle. We have Julian Dennison. And then we have Rima Tiwati, um, I believe, as the young boy. Is that correct? No, no, Julian, no Dennison Julian Dennison is, is the young boy. The young boy yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, I got yeah. that messed up. Rima Tiwati is, plays uh, Bella, the aunt, correct. the foster aunt. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, this is a film that it, it's, it's labeled as an adventure slash comedy with some drama to it. It's a good mixture of tones throughout the film. Knowing that we came from a very straight up comedy with what we do in the shadows. I mean, that was pure comedy. Right. It was a documentary style expose of, of vampires living in today's society. Had a lot of comedic actors in it, so it was very funny. This film, not chock full with comedic actors. Sam Neill, I don't think we would think of as a comedic actor. I, no, no, I don't think he's ever done a kind of comedy, but I can't swear to Ah, uh, Not that I'm aware of either. Okay. But applying the sense of the the the, uh, the, uh, the capabilities of Mr. Uh, Watiti into this film that is a little different than maybe what we would have expected him doing, and then obviously with him going to the Thor movie, it's completely different than what I've expected. Mm-hmm. How does this start to fit in the films that you're seeing this director start to build now, and how does it work? How does it work in relation to what we do in the shadows? How does it work as its own standalone film? Just maybe talk about what you're seeing from this director that you really like, or maybe you have some concerns about from this film. Well, so I was also familiar with him a little bit for the cable show that he did fly the Concords on HBO on HBO with Jermaine Clement. Right. And, uh, I forget the other fellow's name, Brett McKenzie McKenzie. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get his last name, but yeah. So he was mainly a writer on that, but he actually did appear in the show a little bit and may have directed Mm -hmm. some of the episodes. So, that sensibility that he had in that show, which is very New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though they're in New York, they you know constantly make jokes about New Zealand. There's a lot of New Zealandness mm-hmm. about that. Fly the Concords, um, boy. The other movie that I've recommended on here that you referenced, yeah, that also is very New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we do in the shadows, we you mentioned it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. You liked it a lot more than I did. Um, I oh, need to. Really? I, need, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, I need to revisit it. Well, it's yeah. not that I didn't think it was funny, but I think I was overhyped on it. I mm. really was like expecting to just love it, love it, you love and it. The overhyping. So, <laughs> um, with this film, I feel like it's more it's more suited to maybe how he. I don't know, more suited to his sensibilities. Um, I think okay. maybe what we do in the shadows was so far 
extreme comedy that maybe someone else directing it would have been better. And then he could have just starred in it with Jemaine Clement, who actually I think helped co-direct it and write it. Well, I was going to say, I I got the sense that what we do in the shadows is more of a collaborative effort with that whole team of, you know, the Jemaine Clement and I'm sure some other producers they work with, um, rise Darby who's in this film, but was in what we do in the shadows kind of that group that they work together on so many different productions. And they are funny, funny, funny people. Mm -hmm. I think, because they were so in that movie, I think they needed somebody else to kind of help pull it together. Right. You know, because I don't know, and maybe that was the problem with this Taika Waititi. He's, you know, helped adapt a book and he was the director. He does have a brief cameo, which is hilarious mm-hmm. as a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is more along the lines of what I think he's good at. And, okay. uh, or, so I, I liked it. I appreciated it actually more. Than what we do in the shadows. Really? Even though I liked what we do in the shadows. Yeah. And I will say that it took, I've now seen this film three times, which is unusual. <laughs> yeah. Usually when now that is like, a Chris Fry, uh, rarity right, right. there. So. Yeah. Usually when we come in here and record, I've seen the movie once, mm-hmm. um, maybe twice, but never three times when we record a movie. You no, know, that have to be something I'm usually recommending if I've seen it that right. many times. Um, but I saw this at a river run film festival back in April. And then I've seen it two times here just recently. But, and I will say the thing that surprised me was the first time I saw it, I liked it, mm-hmm. but on repeat viewings, probably maybe some of the accents I could understand a little bit more. I feel like I catch a little bit more of the jokes because some mm-hmm. of them, you don't really realize how they're coming and you see how, subtle parts of the movie fit together maybe a little bit better than you would have thought they did originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really, I liked the film and I'm, it makes me excited as you've referenced for him to be doing Thor Ragnarok. And the reason why is with his sensibilities, I think he'll be able to resist just carbon copying a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure, you know, he'll have pressures to, you know, put in people that he doesn't want to or make certain story decisions. But I feel like there's still going to be some signature Taika Waititi so. things. And the, his sense of humor, which comes across in his little diatribe that he does as the minister. <laughs> um, and also, I feel like it also comes across in Julian Dennison, who plays Ricky, Ricky mm-hmm. Baker. He's yes. the boy. Some of the, I don't know, just some of the timing and some mm-hmm. of the jokes I feel like are very Taika Waititi. And it makes me excited because Chris Hemsworth, who does Thor, and I, I liked him in Ghost. He was the only sh- shining moment in the new <laughs> Ghostbusters film. I feel like in Thor, he's always had some funny little things, maybe in some of the movies. And I like him as an actor. And I think with Taika Waititi as a director, and of course he's going to be Thor, Chris Hemsworth, I feel like that could really make a good Thor movie that's not just going to be a slog. Now, just don't get your expectations up high. That's true. Chris, watch it. But with superhero Careful. movies, especially Marvel superhero movies, because you know, mm, if anybody's easy. done with Avengers stuff, easy. that would be me. Tread lightly, um, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but the, like I say, this, you know, it actually makes me interested to see this, this Thor movie, okay. even though, you know, by the third Iron Man, I could have cared less. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but it, right. it definitely, definitely makes me uh, interested. So what were your, what was your reaction? Oh, to I, I love the movie. Okay. I, I thought it was great. And I, I think what I really admired about it, and I mentioned this during our discussion last night after the film, to me, it's this idea that you have a lot of different tones you could have taken with the film. And I think that, I think, I think the, you know, the director, the cast, everybody balanced everything so well. 
Mm-hmm. There were two or three moments in the film where things could have gotten really, really dramatic. I mean, really like oppressively dramatic. And they didn't. They were handled, they were addressed, and then the story moved on and the tone started to evolve in another direction. There were moments where this, I think the tone could have gone zany, crazy comedy. Sure. And it didn't. It stayed very grounded. It was funny and it had some moments. There was one, I think the scene where we get towards the end and just introducing the uh, Psycho Sam character. Yes. Which is really funny. Started to be, okay, they're, they're batting up against the door of zaniness. But, but they never again late in the film. It's they never like it went exactly. Kind of, they yeah. never went overboard with it. Sure. So I love the the controlled temperament of the, the 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 tone and the theme of the film all the way through. Sure, it was just a good, enjoyable film, and it was very very funny. It also had a few moments of action and, and you know, kind of adventure to it. I thought it was, it was a nice blend. It's a little bit of a unique film. I mean, the fact that it's shot out in this vast wilderness with some great aerial photography. Um, it's, it's funny, but it also has a great car chase. I mean, it's just, it's got a lot of elements we don't normally see in a lot of smaller independent film uh, cinema these days. So I admired it for that. I thought it was great. I thought the lead actor who I've got right now, Julian Dennison as Ricky for a young actor to be carrying most all the comedy in this film. He nailed it. I think he really did a great job. And, and Sam Neill had to play off of him. And I think the two just really had a great, great, great camaraderie on film. Well, and I, I agree. And I think that's something that I didn't really notice. I thought Sam Neill did a great job the first time I saw it. And I thought that Julian Dennison as um, Ricky Baker, I thought he did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only on repeat viewings that I noticed how some of his timing was really good mm-hmm. and how, you know, the character that he's playing you know, both he and Heck, the character played by Sam Neill, neither one of them talks a whole lot because, mm-hmm. you know, Ricky Baker's this kid who's been in and out of foster care, been bumped around. Heck is this guy who's kind of, you know, your Grizzly Adams tough guy, doesn't really say a lot. But their interactions and their facial, you know, reactions to each other say a lot. And I credited Sam Neill the first time, but then I looked at him like, no, Julian Dennison's actually doing some really good comic timing things and... Mm doing a lot more work than I was giving him credit for. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm also very high on Julian Dennison's performance. I was no, impressed. I, I really thought just all, everybody worked on this film. I mean, it's just even, you know, the uh, Rachel house as the, oh. I guess the, uh, the social services Paula. director, Paula. <laughs> I mean, that's a character that started out with a, a fairly tame role and just grew to become more and more outrageous. But again, in a really tempered way. It just never, it never got to where she was cartoonish over the top, but it did get really, really funny as the film progressed. And there, and there's something to that as well. And I, you know, it's based on a book. Obviously I haven't read the book and I don't know the child services situation in New Zealand, but her speaking as a, as a figure of authority, mm-hmm. you know, they, and kind of a very Taika Waititi fly of the Concords type thing, whereas they have, it's kind of like they're taking this stereotype of a authority figure and the fact that they make it a woman mm-hmm. authority figure is kind of interesting, kind of turning it on its head a little bit, but also making her just, you know, very militant and, but, you know, poking fun at that at the same time, but yet never overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And showing some type of restraint. And kind of at the end of the film, you see that she does care about Ricky Baker. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of it, because of how her character turns out, I actually, in a way, 
kind of felt sorry for her because at the end it's kind of like she's left with nothing mm. and it's kind of yeah. an, you, there's there's more layers here than just being a silly adventure movie or a yeah. buddy movie or True. a comedy you know there are some dramatic elements like you yeah. mentioned but they don't hit you too heavy with them exactly but the fact that she's a minor character but mm-hmm. yet she still has some type of arc was yeah. is interesting well, that's the thing i think you said it exactly right nothing got hit over the head right. with you as a viewer you know, it wasn't hit, hitting you over the head, the themes, the story, what they're trying to say. You know, you can kind of get from it what you wanted, but you never got people over being overly stylized caricatures. I mean, it was, right. again, Psycho Sam, which, again, I'm not going to kind of spoil too much because <laughs> it's kind of a nice little bit towards the end of the well, you film. you may know him as just Sam. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. <laughs> he, uh, it, it's funny. And, you know, it's obviously probably the most over the top comedy that's it involved is. in the film. Sure. But again, it didn't feel out of place in the film, which is nice. So, um, Sam Neill, I gotta say, I thought was great. I thought mm-hmm. he just, I've never seen him play. He's playing the straight man for lack of a better term in a comedy, but yet he's also, uh, I've never seen him play quite this grizzled a character before, but he does it and does it extremely well. You know, I'd, I'll have to look back over his filmography. The only thing I really know him from is like the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. Um, and I guess, was he in the piano as well or no? No, that was Harvey Cattell, I believe. But doesn't he play oh, maybe he the is. abusive husband or whatever? Okay, maybe he is. I'm, I'm thinking just the lead star in the piano. Yeah, but yeah, Harvey yeah. Cattell is definitely in it. But yeah. I'm thinking maybe Samuel. But I think this is my favorite Sam Neill performance. Wow. Um, yeah, it really has grown on me that much that, you know, if I were to say, yeah, Sam Neill, Jurassic Park, but also Hunt for the Wilder People, I think that would be my new my new tagline for him. Oh, well, you want to know something really interesting? Again, thank yes, you. Absolutely. I am. Thank IMDb. you. I am DB. Yes. I have it pulled up. I just decided Was to look at. Was he in the piano? Um, gosh, I'll have to look and see. I don't okay. know. I can't see that. He's been in way too many things. Let he's me just say a, that, right? He's been in a lot I'm of scrolling films. like forever, and I'm still sure. just in the 2000s on his wow. filmography. Okay. He has been in a lot of things. So, yes, he's, <laughs> I'm sure he was in the piano. Okay. Uh, he was probably in Citizen Kane, if I could far, go back far <laughs> enough and see. No, what I think is interesting, he's in Thor Ragnarok. Really? Yep. So, huh. he's obviously kind of connected with Mr. Uh, uh, Watiti and uh, is it going to be in there? So That's, he was in the piano. He okay. was Stuart in the piano. So okay. I assume you're Excellent. right with that. Um, Jurassic yeah. Park, Event Horizon. Oh gosh, um, I hate that movie. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Jurassic Park three. Hmm. He was in the Doctor Shivago miniseries on TV back in the early 2000s. Wimbledon okay. was in that movie. Okay. Um, beyond that, you know, he hasn't done a lot of big movies, a lot of TV stuff. Right. He's done since then uh, a lot of TV. Actually, most of it's been TV work since the uh, mid since the Jurassic Park right, years. Right. So honestly, I don't see any other films that I recognize other than now Hunt for the Wilder People, and now I see Thor yeah. Ragnarok is on see, his slate. I'm, I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but that yeah. that also gives me hope. You know, because yeah. essentially what I feel like is happening with somebody like Taika Waititi, he's getting to work with a group of people that he likes to work with. The mm-hmm. only thing that can make me more excited for Thor Ragnarok is if Jemaine Clement's in it or Rice Darby is also in it, but that would be a completely different type of Thor movie. But yeah. you know, it's like Wes Anderson gets to work with a certain group of actors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Quentin Tarantino does that. And so for Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino to make a Marvel movie would be amazing, but they're not yet. But Taika Waititi making a Marvel movie, that's 
pretty good as well. So well, can um, we, okay. So we, we both agree. We like hunt for the wilder people. Yes. We recommend it. it is available on iTunes and yes. Amazon as we record this right now. Mm-hmm. Can I, can I just go off on this Thor Ragnarok tangent for just a bit? Absolutely. Since you've already been bringing it up. Well, actually right before we jump to that, I think we've covered, we like the performances. We like the film yeah. two quick notes. You touched on one briefly. Uh, the cinematography mm-hmm. in this movie is beautiful yeah. and it shows off New Zealand. Yeah. Like it makes me want to, I mean, I kind of wanted to go to New Zealand anyway, Sure, um, but it looks amazing. So yeah. I really like that. It's and for beautiful. a comedy or, you know, it does have some drama outlets, but for a general comedy, you don't really think about, Oh, cinematography in the shots. But this movie is really does a really well, good the beautiful job. shots of the scenery, beautiful shots of the environment around them. They do. He does some interesting things. He does some interesting, interesting camera some work. Three sixty camera moves. Well, it's not really camera move. It's more of a technique of in editing of kind of showing the passage of time, all from the same camera position. But the camera's just panning around, like doing a filling in scenes pan. different at different points in the in the revolving around. It's an interesting technique, and he does it twice in the film. And I thought both were handled really well. And there was also something. Okay, another. If we're talking about that too. They do some titles, some chapter titles, oh, yeah. and the placement of those on the screen and like objects that would kind of come to a stop, the title would go away and then they would continue on. Mm-hmm. There was, it was just a lot of thought and yes. a lot of careful of pacing and like just, it was, you could tell there was a lot of thought just for like what you would say, oh, it's just a throwaway indie comedy. Yeah. Last but not least, the comment we'll say before we shift away and yes. you That's make fine. a little bit comments on Thor Ragnarok was the music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that music um, was good. was also, you know, it starts off with what I'm assuming is kind of a New Zealand Maori mm. indigenous people like chant as right. you come over these big mountains in New Zealand. And so you're like, okay, that's interesting. It's kind of setting place. But that then song it, fit the style of movie you thought you were going to see. Absolutely. Then, but then yeah. it kind of diverges into this weird kind of playful electronic type yep. music. Mm-hmm. Which Ricky Baker, the kid that Julian Dennison plays, kind of fancies himself to be a gangster rapper. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was kind of a little nod of like, you know, mm-hmm. what the kids listen Maybe. to these days, kind of a merging of the two cultures of, you know, old style New Zealand and this kid being into gangster rap. You know, who knows? But then out of nowhere at one point, but it fit perfectly, they use a Nina Simone song. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, just very odd, oh, yeah. very eclectic type. Then there was a Bob Marley song thrown in at one point, a Leonard Cohen song. I mean, it's just, it was a really eclectic is the best word for it. It sure. just, the songs did not have a consistent style after that point. And it was great. It sure. worked. There were like two or three musical moments actually where the song was just really great. There was a song that was playing and I don't remember exactly the title of the song as the army's basically searching for them. Oh, yeah. It's like in this fog and mist and they're searching. It's just it was a little more of a dramatic moment in the film. I think some something dramatic had just happened a few minutes earlier, and it was just it was really well done. So yeah. I thought it was a great film. I really, honestly, I was trying to rack my brain for any complaints I have of it. I don't have any. I don't have any complaints. Do you have any complaints? I have a complaint that I don't have anymore, but I have a complaint that I had the first time after yeah. I saw it. So yeah. I mentioned that one briefly. I th- the first time I saw it, I thought Sam Neill's characters evolution from gruff man to person who cared about Ricky Baker maybe was a little rushed, mm. but I don't feel that way now at yeah, all. No, I didn't see that. Um, I didn't I get that, that the first. Film. Now this complaint I have, 
but it's not a huge complaint. And I, it's, it sounds like a double standard, but I will say the amount of care that they were doing with the titles in the very beginning with the chapter titles, I think there are a total of 10 of them. And then there's an epilogue. I've seen it three times, people. <laughs> um, the first five or six are really well done. And then I feel like it kind of got dropped a little bit, even, even though they are really well done in the beginning. And it's not that they're bad. And maybe they're just like, okay, we're getting irritating with this. We're just going to finish the movie and not put that much emphasis on the rest of them. But um, the second time watching the movie was when I really noticed how well the first couple were done. Yeah. So, um, but I, but that you talk about a minor nitpick. That's a really that's, minor that's one. That's a good point. So. I, I, I didn't really pay attention to, I mean, I liked them. Sure. It, it just, I didn't notice them tapering off or, or getting weaker as, a, as the film goes. So, all right. So we're both saying yes. Hunt for the Wilder people. Good film. We're seeing. Definitely checking it out. You like it better than what we do in the shadows. Yes. I, I like it as much, I think, you know, and, and I've seen the film twice and I really liked it more the second time than I did the first time. Okay. So good deal. So real quick. Thor Ragnarok uh, rabbit hole to go down. So okay. actually the cast on this film is actually getting a little more interesting. So, Jermaine Clement is on it. No. Uh, McKenzie? Nope. But we do have a Mr. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Jeff Goldblum is in the new Thor movie. So Sam he'll Neill. be reuniting the Jurassic Park team. Yep. <laughs> is Lord Darn in it? Sam Neill is in the new... Uh, yeah, that's right. Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. Jurassic Park. Jurassic reunited. Park. No, no, uh, no Laura Dern, unfortunately. <sighs> Kate Blanchett is okay. in the new Thor movie. Sam Neill, we've already discussed. Carl Urban, who I really like. He's, he's the Star Trek guy. on Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's in the new Star Wars, uh, Star, the uh, Thor movie. And then I like a lot Tessa Thompson. She was, um, that is. she was in, um, Creed. She was the love interest in Creed who uh, I really, really I liked do in know Creed. I that is. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so all these kind of mixed in, you're getting, and you've still got Anthony Hopkins. You got Idris Elba. Jamie Alexander, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston. I mean, they're packing in a lot. Loki's in there. That's yeah. key. And then also the Hulk. Uh, mm. Mark Ruffalo is in there as well. Okay, so we had said, you know, a concern be a connection. about the studio trying to cram stuff yeah. in there. That would be my one fear is that, yeah, and the Hulk's in there. So I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see. But I do like Mark Ruffalo. I like him yeah. as an actor. And yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. All right, so is that was Natalie, our little... Is Natalie Portman in it? No. Ah. She, she's done with Marvel at this point, from what I understand. Okay. So they're going to have to find a new love interest for Thor at this point, I'm because sure. Because she was in the first one. She's and, in the second one. And then wasn't in the Avengers stuff, but then she yeah. came back and was in the second one. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay, I think we've done our damage here. Let's move <laughs> on to our second film. We've still got two more to review. So That's true. Next one is The Fits. So The Fits is the first film from Anna Rose Homer. I'll read you a brief plot description here from IMDb. Thank you, IMDb. While training at the gym, 11-year-old tomboy Tony becomes entranced with a dance troupe. As she struggles to fit in, she finds herself caught up in the danger as the group begins to suffer from fainting spells and other violent fits, which is where the title comes from. Alan, hearing that description, would that make you excited about this movie or not excited about this movie? And then do you think it's a disservice? Do you think that's 
description is a disservice from the film now that you've seen it. <laughs> so. Well, yes, I think it is a disservice. I think the film is a lot has a lot more interesting thoughts behind it than just oh, there's some. It's a, like the, the, the description almost makes it sound like a mystery thriller. Okay. Like all of a sudden, all these girls start having these fainting spells and violent fits. What's going on? And that's yes, that's the that's what's going on in the film. But it's a lot deeper than that. This is a film that I admire. I like. I'm still wrestling with. Hmm. I can't say I love it. Okay. Because I think I'm wrestling with so much of it. Uh, it is a film that does not give easy answers. And it's probably the closest thing style-wise I've seen done to a horror movie hmm. that's not a horror movie. Okay. In other words, the the build of almost dread or anticipation, it's very much like a well-crafted horror film. But again, there's nothing horror driven about this it's just the the, the sounds the music the, the pacing music, the scores really amazing. build it to a sense of you feel like something bad is going to happen at the end of every scene sure um so from that standpoint it was an interesting watch as far as what the messages of the film and again not to get into spoiler stuff but i mean it it does build to a point where the last few scenes leave you with a lot of questions and i know it's very intentional you know, it was not meant to be a closed button film I at all. I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. So I'm fine with that. I like open-ended films, but I'm still just having a, a wrestling with what I carried away from this film. The, yeah, I will say the cinematography I thought was beautiful. I thought the lead actress um, playing Tony uh, Royalty Hightower is really good. Oh yeah, she's just you're just drawn to her on screen. You want to watch her facial reactions. You want to watch her energy. Seems very natural in front of the yes. camera. And her dancing and her, you know, just that's all very natural to her. She's very, very good. So I really enjoyed watching her. But yeah, but I mean, actually, you know, when you think about it, it's actually a really simple film. Yeah. It's I mean, pretty simple. It's just from a scene to scene to scene. It's very simple. Right. It's just what do you pull all out of it? There's a lot more you could do. So I did like, I liked the film. I probably admired it more than I enjoyed it. If that mm. makes any sense. Sure. Um, so I'm having a hard time saying I really... I'm strongly recommending it to everybody. I'm just saying if you're in the mood for something that's going to give your brain a good little discussion topic to chew on afterwards and to watch something interesting and different than what you've maybe seen in some other films, this is a really good one to check out. So, Chris, I know you liked it a lot. So I liked yeah. this film yeah. a lot. This is this type of film is right in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this, this film was made for me. Um, it does help that I've seen it at least twice now. And right. one of the last viewings I had, I got to watch it with my daughter mm-hmm. and she's a teenager and got to watch this film, which is about teenage girls and mm-hmm. kind of things that are going on with them. Couldn't have been a more awesome viewing experience. Yeah. Um, I've been telling people it was like taking a kid to Disney world, like having mm-hmm. her, not that she, she thought the film was interesting, but watching her wrestle with it was amazing. Cause she kind of yeah. didn't understand certain things. And mm-hmm. we got to talk after. So it's, a really good discussion making film. Absolutely. I think the reason I like one of the reasons I like this film is I can kind of sum it up by imagine if bring it on the cheerleading movie was redone by David Gordon Green and um, David Lynch. Yeah. And that's, that's what this movie is to me. Mm-hmm. And I like the original Peyton Reed's bring it on. You know, I like it. Yeah. It was a totally different type of movie, you know, it was comedy and stuff, but this, you know, investigate similar issues about teenagers and being competitive. 
and you know, but it's done by David Lynch and David Gordon Green as if they were to remake yeah. it. Um, so in other words, that, that kind of that from David Gordon Green is more that really slow, intentional pacing, pacing and yeah. long shots. And then of course the the David Lynch is kind of some odd the moments, music, yeah. the music, and especially I think the last couple scenes are where just, it's just, just like, left. okay, what just happened here? Right. So yeah. and he's not going to tell you. Yeah, that's right. he's not interested in that. Um, so. It's a challenging film. And I, I do, I, again, I admire it for it. And I think it's worth seeing, I think it's a fresh voice of a, of a new director and something that I hope is kind of the start of some really interesting films. Yeah. Um, and I also hope this lead actress, Royalty Haltower has a lot of work to do as well. Um, I didn't think the music was really good. Oh man. And again, it built that sense of dread. Loved it. It's just this clack, almost like a clacking, clapping music and it just kind of kept getting louder at times and crescendoing mm-hmm. at different points. And I um, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. In, in the cinematography, like I mentioned before, uh, it was a lot of long shots, a lot of just kind of, some were very static, just letting, letting royalty Hightower just be the energy in the frame. And then other times it was a lot of movement through hallways and following people as they go along. Um, yeah, you know, the best thing I can say about this film, and I've told the story to a few people, is that we showed it. This well, The reason we're bringing it up as a review now is it did show at our film festival just a few couple weeks ago. And we had a very uh, interesting crowd for that film, and we we're holding a discussion afterwards. And I think this is, this is the best way I could sum it up to anybody who's interested in whether or not they want to see this film. We had some people in the, in the crowd that maybe haven't been exposed to as many unique thought-provoking, challenging films before. Right. And so as they're watching this film, their immediate reaction afterwards was, I don't get it. Yeah, I what, didn't understand. What, what did I just see? What was that? <laughs> what did that even mean? Right. But the next day, I saw one of those same individuals who came up intentionally to me at the festival and said, I said last night that I didn't get that film. And I didn't know what I was trying to do. He said, but I've been thinking about it all night. And I think I actually have some thoughts about it now. I'm like, okay, then that sums up this film altogether. If that sounds like a kind of an interesting film for you to sink your teeth into, then I definitely think the fits is worth checking out by all means. And another bonus, you know, I've often lamented long run times. This movie is 72 minutes. Yeah. That's the shortest feature length film I think we've seen. And so, you know, it does seem slow because, you know, the pacing is just, you know, kind of everyday life. These girls at a gym, these girls going to dance, you know, and it's also very focused. You don't leave that gym. You're always in the gym or in the dance hall. You kind of stay, you do leave it maybe a little bit for some exercise times, like outside on a bridge, but for the most part, you're at one location, Mm -hmm. but you know, 72 minutes, it's it's worth a shot, you know. I really I, I can't it's like a recommend long TV it enough. episode, <laughs> right? You know, lengthwise. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the film has is, is saying a lot about uh, uh, teenage, you know, or preteen kind of pressure to fit in. It has a lot to do with acceptance. Has a lot to do with uh, strong female protagonists. I mean, there's a lot of themes mixed in. And again, I I don't think we could go deep into it without spoiling things and i don't think that we should do that so i think it's more of a there's a lot of carryaway themes you could take from this film absolutely i do think the sense of uh female empowerment as well as on the flip side of that this notion of fitting in and kind of Mm -hmm. being part of the crowd and how that relates to what we see these women experiencing throughout the film it's just it's it's a it's a challenging film yeah, definitely. Well, Chris is giving it a very yeah. high recommendation. I'm Absolutely. saying yes. I think it's I think it's an interesting watch, and I think it's not one that you may walk away satisfied with immediately, 
But as you give it some time to process, I think you can come away with some real uh, interesting thoughts about the film for sure. Okay. Now we're going to move on to our third review, our final review of the episode. And that is another fest, uh, festival screening that we had. It's the documentary tower winner of the 2016 best documentary at our film. Festival. Very true. The winner of that award at this year's festival. It's like a battle scene. There are two different kinds of shots. Apparently police are returning the fire now. My mission was to get into the tower. I can't make out what you're saying. You keep cutting out now. There's a guy on top of the tower and he's shooting. Shooting at people. We didn't know who was being killed. People were dying. There's no report as to who this man may be or what he's doing up there or what prompted this apparent madness. Chris, I am a big fan of documentaries. I think yes. that has been talked about on the show that I, I generally lo- really love the documentary form. But my thing with documentaries is I can get restless and bored with the documentary format pretty easily. If you give me a very standard documentary with headshot interviews, cutaway to, to clips from some event happening, cueing music at different times, I mean, just the titles on the screen, the very very set standard way of doing documentaries. If the topic is good, I'll still watch the documentary, even if the production of it is not interesting. Mm -hmm. But if the topic is not interesting to me and the production of the documentary is not very unique, then I'm out. There's no, (laughs) there's no point in me watching this. Sure. Here we have a film in tower where it is a documentary. It is a documentary about the shooting that took place on the university of Texas campus back in the sixties. And the documentary is a combination of hearing from people. And I'm using air quotes right now because you know, you're hearing from people that were actually there, but it's actually reenacted actors playing the younger versions of these characters as they would have back in the 1960s. Right. But the interesting thing really about this film is the use of rotoscoping, this animation style where you've taken real footage that you have shot but you've applied this animation layer to it where everything is animated, but it's animated in a very realistic layering on top of actual video footage. Mm -hmm. So the documentary is a combination of these interviews with people that are representing the real people that were there that day, all in an animation style interspersed with some actual newsreel footage of the event taking place that day. And again, this was one of the very first mass shootings, especially on a college campus that we were exposed to as a society. So Chris, this film has a lot going for it. Okay. A lot of things happening. You've got a very interesting subject Mm -hmm. in the shooting on this college campus, right? You've got the style of hearing from the people that were actually involved in the event, real people, even though we're hearing, younger actors playing them as a younger version for most of the movie. You have these interviews with the actual people that were there. You've got the interspersing of newsreel footage and it's all done in this animation style, which is very unique. Mm -hmm. You mix all this together. Did the final product work for you? I mean, did it ultimately give you what you wanted out of this documentary in terms of helping you relate to what happened that day, but also presenting it in a way that really resonated with you maybe more emotionally than it would have otherwise. I'd going into the film, I was a little skeptical. Um, rotoscope animation is something I've seen in um, a scanner darkly, the Richard mm-hmm. Linklater film. 
Um, they did some of it, I think, with that Waltz with Bashir movie yep. from a while ago. So I kind of wasn't understanding. I thought basically I thought it was a gimmick. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I thought it was a gimmick. Having seen the film, I think it was ingenious. Um, and I think it could have been done without it. But mm. using it, they were able to kind of they did have newsreel footage that they could have just shown. But by rotoscoping, they were able to blend people talking about what happened instead of just seeing. It basically eliminated a lot of talking heads is what it did. So it made fewer talking heads, even though you had the recounting of the stories. And when they were talking heads because they had actors playing the younger versions of these people, they looked like they did when you were seeing the reenactment, although it was an animated reenactment. So it, it kind of blended more realities and the storytelling and kind of put you back in that time frame a little easier maybe than if yeah. it hadn't have been animated. So I, it did work for me. I responded to it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And I will say from an impact, from a gut punch perspective, I was not expecting some reactions from characters, characters from real people, some of their some of the th- comments they made towards the end of the film surprised me Yeah, um, in a good way. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously these events, you know, do affect people, do leave marks on people, mm-hmm. but how they kind of made their final statements and some of the things they said, I thought were very, very powerful and hit me in a way that I didn't really expect them to. Yeah. So. I, I, this movie gut punch was the right word. I mean, I still, after watching this film at the close of our festival, I had a hard time, talking about it for probably a couple hours afterwards, mm. just really just was emotionally drained in a good way. I mean, I'm not saying not saying good and that the subject matter was enjoyable. It's just, you know, I res it, 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 it hit me the right way right. and it, it really worked the format and the style. I thought a lot about this whole animation style and, and what it brought to it or what it was meant to bring to it. And I think you started to hit on it there in your description. You know, if we didn't have this animation, to tell the story the same way it was told in the film, we would have to have people as actors on screen mm-hmm. going through and reenacting these scenes and talking to the camera, which I think that would have pulled you out of the film if it had been mm-hmm. real somebody as an actor on screen, like right. acting like this, this person. Or you just have the entire film narrated by the people as they are now, just basically recounting the whole you thing. See, and I just don't and think that, that I, it, it, be it, more been, it was more effective the way it handled it, where you follow for 90% of the film, you're following them in their 1966 versions. Right. Then at the end of the film, you see them in their modern day versions. And that right. was much more effective to me. I agree. Than just hearing people talking retroactively 50 years later um, about it. So, and I think there again, it's probably the choice of saying, well, we've got to go with the animation because otherwise we're going to have actors on screen playing these people talking to the camera, like they're being interviewed. And it just, I just don't think it like would, it would have worked. Right. I think it would have been way too easy to kind of pick that apart and feel like you're getting cheated a little bit by having the animation layer over it. It just, it gives it more of an ethereal quality. Mm-hmm. You're watching it and you actually kind of feel like you're there in the moment without them having to give away too many realistic details. Well, and I think also, I mean, this was a, you know, terrible, frightening, horrible event. Mm-hmm. This shootings that occurred, having it animated, even though you are still hearing actual audio of newscasts and you do hear some stuff, it is able to put you in the situation, but yet distance you. So it's not scarring you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, there's some, know, there's some, 
violent scenes depicted. Yeah. But to see it in this animation style. And a lot of times I actually kind of respect it too. When shots are fired and you're seeing people being hit, the style even changed to more silhouettes. Like you're almost like seeing more outlines of what's happening as opposed to anything Graphic, really violent. Right. The, 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 the point of this film was two things I admired that they didn't do that I think was a real uh, intentional point on their end. One, not show extreme violence, mm-hmm. even though this was a very violent Abs- event. Absolutely. And two, the actual person, the shooter, never really acknowledged. Mm-hmm. We don't. We only hear his name passing in passing one time. Right. We never see any shot of him, like what he looks like. Right. They don't even talk about anything with the killer. It is truly all about what do we do to survive and, and protect the people who are here. Mm-hmm. So we're hearing it solely from the perspective of the people that were affected. And we don't spend a whole lot of t- any time at all learning about the person causing the madness. It's almost like we don't even want to give him recognition. That's mm-hmm. not what this film's about. So I really admired that, that they didn't give us any half of the film is all about him and why he's doing what he's doing and all this. I, I didn't want to know that. I wanted to hear from these people that were on the ground dealing with this situation and the the humanity that they're, they were they're facing there. So, Well, and if this at the film festival, um, I remember it being brought up, that whole aspect of not really focusing on the shooter at all. And it was interesting too, because by doing that, they're not making the choice to demonize him. They're Mm -hmm. not making the choice to forgive him and say it wasn't his fault. They're just not focusing on that and focusing on the survivors and how, and you know, those that didn't survive as well, you know, but it, you know, it, it was just a really interesting way to do it. And I think a very respectful way to do it. I agree. So. I agree completely. I, I just, I just love the fact that it was a topic I was interested in right away. All, all of a sudden, all, all along, just interested in the topic and learning more about this, this horrible, horrible day. And then to be seen, have it done in such an interesting way. Sure. Just made it all work. So I, I really love this film. Um, it's a tough watch. It is. It is uh, draining, very draining. But it's actually hopeful, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it just – I was watching this one with my 14-year-old son. So just like okay. you had the fits with, with your daughter, I was right. watching this with my son. And, you know, the thing that I think we were both just amazed by afterwards is just the just the courage that some mm-hmm. of these people had is amazing. I mean, my son and I actually had a long talk about whether we could have done those things right. if in this situation – because it's it's amazing. And I mean, it's all true. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fascinating to me that, you know, this story, I think, I'm surprised it hasn't had anything done about the story in the last 50 years. Well, and we've often talked about, well, we talked about Man on Wire, and it was made into the movie The Wire. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about different movies that, you know, is it better served by a documentary? Is it better yeah. served by a dramatic reenactment? I am surprised that this has never really been documented, had a documentary made about it before. I'm surprised it hasn't had a Hollywood film made of it. Yeah. Um, I sure hope they don't make one because I I feel like this is the perfect honoring of it and it doesn't over dramatize anything. It just kind of tells me I, yeah. So I'm, I hope they leave it be. I do too. I really do. I'm surprised it took them 50 years after the event to do anything like this about it. But I'm glad they waited till this was the film they did about it because you're right. They, they don't need to touch this at all anymore. Yeah. So that's Tower. The director is um, Keith, Maitland. Uh, Keith Maitland. 
And you know, none of the stars are, I mean, there's really no known stars in it. And that's fine. Actually, I, I don't think it reenacting some of these characters, right. that wasn't the purpose. Right. And again, you don't ever even see any of the actors on screen. It's solely their rotoscoped versions of the characters from the sixties. Right. But then you do get to see some of the actual people uh, in today's world where they are now. So um, yeah, that was a, that was a good film. That was a very, very good film. So those are our reviews. Hunt for the Wilder People, The Fitz and Tower. All three we both like. And um, I think all three, well, Tower is just now getting a theatrical release yeah. in October. But The Fitz is online and Hunt for the Wilder People is online. So, yeah, so Tower two, you can is check getting out. a huge release now. Yeah. and But then within too long, it should. Yeah, all three online. eventually will make their way online. But you can see two of the three films we just reviewed online now, today, tonight. <laughs> and please go do it. Actually, go do it now. And actually, actually, that would be an awesome triple play. Here's here's the order I would do them if I was watching all three of these okay. in a row. I would watch um, the Fitz first. Okay. I would watch Tower second, and then you watch Hunt for the Wilder. I, I think that's yeah. yeah. Start off with the one that's going to get you thinking a little bit more. Get that brain working. Right. Then you watch the one that's going to bring you down, and you know, kind of it's be heavy. a tough one to watch. And sure. then you watch Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a lighter, more enjoyable, with a nice kind of satisfying ending. So yeah, that's your that's your weekend. I've already plotted <laughs> it out for you. You're ready to go. Maybe. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Chris has got some trailer park news about some trailers we want to talk about. And then we're also going to cap off with our recommendations for the episode of films we think you ought to check out. So stay tuned. This is for Kendall Films here on TheMesh.TV. Local authors, illustrators, and storytellers come together to create Storytime Station at The Mesh. Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. As a quick reminder, you can go to TheMesh.TV. That's T-H-E-M-E-S-H.TV. And go back and not only listen to older episodes of Foot Candle Films, but you can also find other shows on the Mesh Network. It is a network of podcasts. Those are shows that you can listen to on your computer, you can listen to on your smartphone, and you can subscribe to them. That's the most important part. Uh, like what you're hearing so far. Uh, you like listening to our pleasing voices talk about films in a very intelligent way, and I'm only being a or little maybe bit sarcastic. Semi-intelligent. I was gonna say I'm only being slightly sarcastic about both of those <laughs> points. But if you like what you're hearing here and you want to make sure you get in the loop on any future episodes, go through either iTunes or some other podcast mechanism software that you use and find a way to subscribe to our show. We have some buttons on the mesh.tv for both Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can go and subscribe to our show. I'm trying to make That's it a good easy. Way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make sure that our shows are delivered to your vehicle of choice, phone, tablet, laptop, whatever, as soon as they're ready from us. So that way, if you're heading out to the movie theater for the weekend, and maybe it's a film that we've talked about, and you want to make a decision, we're here for you. That's Let's right. say you're going on Netflix, and you find a film, and you do a search on the TV and you find that there's an episode where we actually talked about it. Well, then watch the film, and then play our review, and see if you agree with us, or drop us a note and let us know if we're completely wrong. So that's the kind of dialogue we want to have. So we look forward to hearing your feedback 
on this show and uh, hopefully get you subscribing so you can uh, follow us along for future episodes. All right. So, Chris, uh, sometimes we'll break and talk about some news. I'm a big news junkie when it comes to movie news. I love reading up on movie news. But you brought up an interesting idea, and I love it. So you've got some trailer news, the trailer park, we're going to call it. So we may. I think that may be taken by somebody who does like YouTube reviews because trailer park is really catchy. We'll just maybe call it the trailer hitch or something. Yeah, <laughs> the hitching, trailer hitching post. I don't know. Something trailer related is yes. what our. We'll, we'll, we'll get our intern we'll get our on, on researching that. a name for it. But yeah. Intern. Intern. Yeah. Can you research that for us? Yes. I'm awesome. hearing yes. Okay, good. Yep. He's Excellent. on it. So, Excellent. Good. Perfect. So first off, and you know, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about, I know you're probably excited about this movie. I know you are. The trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. No. Okay. Not excited. No, I have seen the trailer. You have seen not the trailer. Not excited. Though. Okay. So this is obviously the next installment. Is this the fifth one? But they're, yes. they're kind of doing a reboot, right? Maybe. Not sure. I know mm. Orlando Bloom is actually in this one. Supposedly. Is, is Johnny Depp? I think so. I don't see how yeah. he couldn't be. Javier Bardem. Who's in the trailer mm-hmm. and is the main bad guy? Trailer's very short. It's basically like a scene. I think yeah. just it's a teaser. Tra- I liked, you know, we've talked about Pirates of the Caribbean. You like the here. first one? I did like the first one. Kind of like the second one. Third one was horrible. The fourth one, though, which was an ascent in a sense trying to do a reboot because a lot of people didn't mm-hmm. like the third one. The fourth one on Stranger Tides is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Wow! And it's an expensive worst thing i've ever seen wow. it's one thing if it's a bad movie yeah. you know but no it's and johnny depp's and it is is so bad so the fact that they're making this one i'm like wow but i mean you know overseas they make a lot of money overseas yeah. and so, i have to say javier bardem playing careful. a spooky ghost pirate careful is interesting okay. now now <laughs> unlike thor and ragnarok will i go to the movie theater and see this you know, without hearing, no, I will only go see this if I hear that it's somewhat decent. So you're going to be waiting for the reviews to come in on this. Or one. if my kids drag me to it, I'll yeah. go see it because they have a fondness for all the Pirates movies. I do not. Obviously, I, I just, like the first two. But it, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I thought the first one was okay. I loved the first I one. I know you did. Loved it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was, you know, hey, if you're going to turn a theme park into a movie, yeah, this was actually pretty interesting, I guess. <laughs> but then I get to the second one, and it's just, oh my gosh, what's going on? It's just getting so convoluted. See, I like, I like, I liked the craziness nuts. of the second one and not no. knowing what was going on. The third one was a complete disaster. Well, so. there are moments of all three that I liked, like some moments. You haven't seen the fourth? No, I never saw the fourth. It don't one. work. Don't yeah. bother. Um, I just, you know, I saw this, and I'm like. Okay, is it a reboot? Is it a continuation? I don't know where they're going universe-wise with this. I don't think they know either quite. So anyway, I'm curious to see like how it turns out. I'm not even familiar with who the director was. I mean, I know the uh, director on the fourth one, the one that you hated, was um, he was a pretty good director. Gore Verbinski was the director of at least the first he, two. He did the Maybe first did the, three, I believe. I think he did one. all okay. three. But the um, on Stranger Tides was, oh, who is it? IMDb, don't let me down. Come on. Rob, <laughs> Rob Marshall, who Rob Marshall did like Chicago. He did some other kind of really good movies, I think. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's a little surprising. He did nine. He did Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did Memoirs of a Geisha. So, you know, to kind of hear him 
go to do this and hear how bad it was. It was kind of surprising. And so. I don't know who's doing Dead Men Tell No Tales. But oh, he did Into the Woods also. Huh. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, so musicals, I think, are more mm-hmm, his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So anyway, I saw the trailer. Uh, not really interested. But if I hear it comes back and you tell me that it's awesome and that reviews are all good for it, then I'll probably sneak out and see it. But it's got to have to take a lot of positive word of mouth to get me out there. Okay, well, let me, let me bring you up. Okay. You and I have actually already talked about this, but I'll talk about it with our, our listeners. The trailer for Jackie with Natalie Portman from the director of Popular yes. of the Rain. Yeah. How about that trailer? Oh, that trailer's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, really, I... I Tells the story of Jackie Kennedy Onassis, yeah. yeah. It's honestly, uh, when I saw it on my Apple TV, on my trailers app, I saw it. I wasn't going to watch the trailer, but my wife was sitting with, with, with me, and my wife is a huge historical buff when it comes to the Kennedy family. Yeah, sure. So I'm like, okay, great. I'll play this trailer because she'll probably <laughs> okay, want to watch it. And as I'm watching this trailer, I'm like, oh my God, this looks really, really good. Yeah. I mean, Natalie Portman, you know, playing Jackie Onassis. I mean, that's kind of a good fit already. It is. But I was it's more good imp- casting. You can it's just good see casting, but work. I was more impressed with what appears to be some really interesting cinematography and the tone mm-hmm. and just the choices they're making. It does not look like it's going to be a standard biopic, and that's what's got me excited. So agreed. I heard that they were doing a Jackie thing. I was like, you know, a biopic about Jackie, and I was like, eh. And then Natalie Portman was like, oh, well, that's probably good casting. Yeah. Then I saw this trailer and I'm I'm all in. Absolutely. I think it looks really good. I completely agree with you on that. That's actually one I if it doesn't come to the big multiplexes, I do want to get for our film society. I think we would really appreciate it. So you have a trailer that you were gonna throw out? Well, not specifically a trailer. Oh, okay. But I think it fits within the trailer milieu that we're going for here. Okay. Well, it's go kind ahead. of teasing of films. So okay. there was a trailer that came out a few months ago for a movie that I'm personally very excited about. It's a uh, Kong Skull Island. Uh, I know. Just bear with me. <laughs> I went on the ri- I went on the ride down in Universal this summer. Did you? <laughs> and the ride was good. It was good, right? It <laughs> yeah, was cool. The ride was. Yeah. So um, here's the thing that's interesting. Okay, so Kong Skull Island is coming out. It's got a uh, Brie Larson. It's got Tom Hiddleston. Mm. Hiddleston. Um, it looks from a trailer really, really good. And and quality-wise, like production value-wise. I have not seen the trailer. Okay, the trailer's really good and interesting. It appears like it's maybe shot, like it takes place in the 70s. -hmm. I can't quite tell the time period. I'm trying to get it from the soldiers' uniforms and all that. But it's a very... Is it supposed to be a continuation of the first King Kong? No. It has nothing to do with the Peter Jackson version. The Peter Jackson version. Okay. However, that's where I'm getting to with this. So they, um, they just put out a poster. So this is where I'm tying into trailers a little bit. So it's like gotcha. marketing material. Yeah. They put out a poster for it. Just, just uh, It's a map, and it shows from a, topo- a, topo- a topological view of the island and the stuff around it. All the, you know, like we like see on a weather map. Gotcha. It says Skull Island on there. Now. Alan is now showing me on his left. I'm showing Chris the, the trailer, the, the poster. However, if you put a black light on the poster certain things start to show up. Okay. And the things that show up are text and logos that identify this island somehow with the Monarch Company Corporation, company called Monarch. And what you start to find out is that what you realize if you are up on this, the Godzilla film that just came out, the Gareth Edwards Godzilla film from a few years ago, the Monarch Corporation is a corporation in that film. Okay. So basically what they're saying is, yeah, we're totally in the same universe. 
we have a King Kong, we have a Godzilla. You guys do the math on what's going to happen down the road. Got you. Now, I know, Chris, inside your head right now, you may be doing a little bit of an eye roll, or you may I have am. a little bit of a groan. Yes, I know you. I can tell. <laughs> Me I, being the guy who did not like Pacific Rim, big monsters fighting each other, that's like my nightmare. But that's maybe. totally my thing. So I'll take this on for the team. That and talking animals. Uh, <laughs> talking animals and giant fighting <laughs> creatures. So I'm personally very excited. Okay. Um I really, really liked the Gareth Edwards Godzilla movie. I didn't mind it. I thought it was really good. And I'm excited about Kong Skull Island because I like King Kong movies. Okay. If this is a good movie, and if the next step is to find a way to have Godzilla and King Kong in the same movie, my head will explode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be messy. Well, Um, there has been a King Kong versus Godzilla movie back in the the 80s, and it was bad. Right. But as a kid, I freaking loved it. I just know that now that I've seen parts of it again, it's like, ooh, this was really not good. Uh, yeah. So I'm very anxious to see where this all okay. goes. Fair enough. And they seem to be making some good uh, uh, production choices with these films. I mean, having Tom Hiddleston and oh, Brie Larson as I your two leads. two people. Are and really John like. Goodman's in it as well. I like John Goodman. It's like, okay, so they're putting the right people in there. Yeah. And then I thought with Godzilla, when they had um, – What's his name as the father? Um, Tom Wilkinson? No. Um, Malcolm in the Middle guy who's now like... He's, oh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, you know, was really good in that. So it's just, they're putting in the right pieces and they're getting good directors to do these things as well. So right. I'm excited and interested. All right. You well, have another trailer for me? I, I do. I've got two more. Okay. Um, so this is probably a trailer you haven't seen, although I'll be curious if you've seen know. it. Um, a trailer for Get Out. I have not seen it. Okay. So it's a I'm, horror film though, right? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a horror film done by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. Really? Yes. I did now, not know that. that. That expression on your face means I have heard of these, the, the comedy duo of Key and Peele. They put out Keanu earlier this mm-hmm. year. I have never seen any of their skits. I only know of them from reputation. I think I would think they were funny. But a lot of people are surprised that Jordan Peele, this is his first like solo thing. And it's basically a horror film like it's a straight out horror it's not well, like a, really maybe. no okay um but the trailer is interesting it's called get out i recommend you check it out um but it looks like kind of a commentary on kind of a stepford wife type syndrome which was a community where all the wives had been like turned into robots and everybody yeah. kind of obeyed and everything this is a similar thing like that, but with an interesting comment on race. Hmm. Um, so there's looks like, I don't know, it just looks really interesting. Catherine Keener is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I was fascinated. So I think there's more going on than just being like, oh, it's a horror movie. There's but a it's lot not a subversive on. comedy posing as a real horror movie. I mean, it appears to be a straight out it's, horror movie. Yes. Um, I think there will be some funny things in it, though. Sure. That's um, really interesting. I did so, not yeah, know. I, I recommend. I saw the poster and I saw and I thought, well, that's a horror film. I'm not really interested in seeing the trailer for it. But knowing it's I, Jordan Peele. And I think the whole kind of comment is, you know, when you see a horror movie and somebody's in a big haunted house, you yell at the screen, get out, yeah, get out. Right, what yeah. are you doing? So I, I think there's. There may be something a little bit more subversive. I think there could it, be yeah. something. It could be. There again, I'm trying not to get my hopes up, which I don't really have them up because I don't really know about the comedy of Key and Peele. But to me, it could be kind of making the statement that the very first Scream did. 
mm-hmm. um, in a way, being kind a of taking meta, the genre, but being very talking meta. about what people know about the concept of horror movies right. and kind of turning out its head a little bit. So, so that's that's get out. All right, that's I'm that has now r- r- risen in my interest level. So <laughs> thank you, Chris. Okay, last but not least, I have not seen this trailer. I'm 99 percent positive that you have seen it, and all I want you to do is tell me if I should watch it or not. Okay. Uh, just released this week was the second trailer for. Rogue One. Alan, should I watch it or is it going to spoil stuff? I did watch the um, first one. I saw it in the movie theater. Yeah, so. I think the first one was good to watch because the first one was more mood setting. Right. It didn't really tell a lot about the plot detail. The second one does tell more about the plot detail. I'd say skip it. Okay. I'd say if you can hold tight till December when the film comes out, just wait. And this is the new Star Wars movie we're yeah. talking about. I'm very, you know, these movies are very near and dear to my heart. So. And I okay. think, too, there's a couple moments that it would be nice to know, to see them happen on the big screen first before you see them in the trailer. Sold. So, yeah. I will not watch it. <laughs> I, uh, I will tell you, though, and not, not to encourage I've heard you. it's a really good trailer, though. So that yeah, makes me want is. to see it. Although, and I'll tell you this, not for you to go look at it, but I'm just <laughs> telling you this because seriously, I'm so proud of myself that I found this. Oh. I found a error in the trailer. Ooh. I did. There is a there is a scene with, uh, I'm not spoiling anything for the trailer, just there's okay. some scenes with big at-at walkers. Yes. Walking through the jungle. And there's one of them, and I'm so excited. I'm showing my kids tonight. They're they're like anxious to see me point it out to them. There is a shot of the AT-AT where uh, a panel on the AT-AT is like not covered up with CGI, and you can see straight through to the sky in the background behind them. In a major shot in the trailer, weird. it's like a weird block that on one of them is covered up with a panel. On the other one, it's completely like opaque to look through the walker to the see the sky. It's like on the side of the shot. I mean... I just happened to see it just quickly in glancing. How did that get by? I don't know. But I mean, it's obviously a CGI I'm error. I'm wondering so. if this trailer is probably not out in theaters yet. It's only online. Yeah. Surely they're going to fix that before. Now, it granted, can... it's a split second. And it, I only reason I noticed it because I think I paused at one moment and to see like, something. And when I looked at it, I'm like, what? There's a, I can see right through that ad ad water walker, you know, wow. and I can see the sky behind them. So it's very clearly like something was not super. Composited in there. Anyway, I'm just proud of myself that I saw uh-huh. it. You Interesting. Know. I'm gonna write. I'm at the right Lucas films and just say, "Come on, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You're you're, you're ruining Star Wars for me." So, right. Okay. No, the trailer. I would not watch it. Okay. I I think there's a couple of moments I kind of wish I didn't know in the movie. Okay. So uh, go in, go in as as naive as you can. Okay. Well, that's all I have for this edition of whatever we end up calling it that has to do with trailers. Yeah, trailer stuff. Trailer. trailer stuff. Uh, trailer Hitch is okay. Yeah, it's not as good as Trailer Park. No, it's definitely not. But I, I agree. I've heard that I before, like so we taken. can't take that. Okay. So, oh boy. Okay, we'll come up with something. If you got an idea, let us know. Drop us a note. Let us know. All right, well, let's wrap up the show, closing out with our recommendations. This is where Chris and I both recommend one film that either we have caught up with recently, maybe we just remember seeing and think is worth checking out. Uh, most of the time we are saying that it's ones you can easily find online. So we try to encourage you to go do that. Mine is not online unless you're a bit torrent hacker and I'm sure you can find it, but I'm not encouraging you to do that. <laughs> so anyway, Chris, what do you have as a recommendation for okay. us? Um, mine is online. It's on Netflix and I think it's also available through iTunes and it being the month of October, I'm going to recommend a thriller slash horror film. Mm. It's the 2016 film Hush from director Mike Flanagan. I actually recommended another one of his movies for Halloween a couple years ago, maybe, called Oculus. 
Uh, but this I is this is uh, his 2016 film. The plot synopsis is as follows: A deaf writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life must now fight for her life in silence when a masked killer appears at her window. So, okay, so if I'm getting the theme of this correct, she's a deaf writer. Yes. Living on her own. Yes. A mass killer who I'm assuming doesn't talk much. <laughs> so we're talking about a film that's quiet most of it. Like Can be. Voice wise. There, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but it's, it's. Is it I, really scary or is it, you know, just. There, there's some moments of tension and scare stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, interesting film to watch on your own at your house when it's dark outside. And yeah. Um, so. I recommend it. I liked it. Um, I don't normally go out for horror movies unless there's something a little extra going on. There's something you know interesting. This is not all about there is some gore in it, but it's not all about that. It's more about mind games and about the cleverness of the writer who's trying to not be killed. Mm. <laughs> um, so there's some mind games and some cleverness, cat mouse type stuff going on. I liked it. So I recommend it there again. It's on Netflix and well, iTunes. I'm noticing that the star is actually the wife of the director. Correct. And they co-wrote it together. Okay. And there's only a cast of four people. Correct. So that's, that's always cool to me. I like, I like small cast films. So hush. Okay. Well, maybe I won't be watching it late at night. Maybe this is like an early, <laughs> I mean, early I Sunday you, morning. I think you could. It might make you, you jump a right? few times. But okay. All right, I can yeah. do that then. Um, so, all right, so I'm cheating a little bit with my recommendation and it's not a wholehearted recommendation, but I'm recommending <laughs> it. I'm recommending it for one main reason. Okay. So I did see Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children lately. Got you. That is the latest Tim Burton movie. It's all about a group of, uh, it's a young boy or I say young boy, a kind of a teenage boy who is, uh, has a grandfather that he's very enamored with grandfather mysteriously passes away and leaves behind kind of some legends and stories that uh, causes this boy to go kind of discover some follow up on this mystery, bringing him into an Island that his grandfather supposedly used to frequent that is inhabited at some point by a school. And the school is a home for children. These children all have, they call peculiars. They have abilities. They have interesting things about them. That is the simplest way I can describe this film, the plot-wise. Uh, <laughs> it sounds a, like a Tim Burton film. Oh, my gosh. It's a complicated plot. I'll just go ahead and tell you that is probably the big drawback of the film is it's extremely complicated. I mean, I saw it I my family. I love complicated movies. Well, so all my family like and I afterwards are just like, so how did – what did that mean again? And how, how did this work with this way? I don't know if it all makes sense. But it's an interesting, interesting concept. It is based on a, on a, on a, on a book, and I believe it's a series of books. Right. Um, the reason I'm recommending it is it's not a great movie. It's a very good movie, I think. If it was more easy to follow plot-wise, I think I would think it'd be a great movie. I'm bringing up his recommendation because I do feel like it's the first movie I've seen of Tim Burton's in quite a while, where I feel like it's, he's, it's actually kind of Tim Burton again. Okay. Um, I never saw Big Eyes, but I heard... It was an okay film, but it wasn't really a Tim Burton movie. Correct. I did see it, and I totally agree with I that. I hated Alice um, uh, in Wonderland. Right. Um, I wasn't a big fan of his Willy Wonka uh, Chocolate Factory, um, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So, you know, the last 10 years of Tim Burton, I just there's nothing been... I haven't seen any of his films that maybe say, oh, yeah, 
That's a great Tim Burton I think the movie. last thing you liked by him was Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah. Sweeney Todd was good. This is the first Tim Burton movie in a long time that I've said, yeah, that was a good Tim Burton movie. He got to weave in enough of his sensibilities into it. I mean, come on. You've got a, you've got an action scene at the end where it's reanimated skeletons fighting mm-hmm. against some sort of creature. That's a total Tim Burton move right there. And it, they were played kind of for laughs, kind of for, for real. So it, it, it's not perfect. My wife is <laughs> not perfect. My wife did not like this movie. Okay. Um, her argument was it really didn't make a lot of sense. And I agree. If you really try to piece it together, a lot of it doesn't make sense. I think if you'd read the book, you probably would understand all the nuances of the film better. Right. But I think from a visual standpoint, I think from uh, some, some clever moments in the film, some, uh, I thought the acting was really good all across. I think he really, he and Eva, Eva Green seemed to have a good relationship going on now. Okay. Dark, Dark Shadows was another film I didn't care for. Right. He did. Um, Anyway, Asia Butterfield is kind of the lead, the lead in it. Hmm. I think it's a good film. Okay. I think it's really good. Samuel L. Jackson's in it, just because Samuel L. Jackson's in every other movie that comes out now. <laughs> um, but it was, I liked it. I liked it a okay. lot. So I had a good time with it. Okay. Well, I, I do want to check that one out. Yeah. So. I mean, again, it's, it, it'll give, I think it'll give you some of that Tim Burton nostalgia back. And okay. it, it's one of his better films in quite, a, some, quite some time, I feel. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that is our show. So we recommended both the movie Hush and the movie Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Children. One, you can see online right now. So Chris followed the rules with our recommendation. One, you cannot see. You have to actually go buy a ticket. But you can go see a theater. Yeah. You can go see it. You just got to plunk down more money than I think we'd like to do with our recommendations. But maybe maybe a sec is it's definitely a good second run movie. If you can go see it for $3, <laughs> it's definitely worth 3 bucks. Okay. Maybe it's worth 7 or 8 9 bucks. Um, yeah, I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, so that's our show for today. Hunt for the Wilder People, The Fits and Tower, all highly acclaimed films by us. We feel like all three of them are worth seeing. I personally will say Hunt for the Wilder People and Tower, I think, are great films. Chris, is The Fits is a great film. Tower is a great film. You combine all three together. Yeah, we're all, both of us are on board with all three of these films. Uh, then we had our trailer reviews, trailer discussions for a few movies coming up, and then our two recommendations. So overall, good show. Yeah. Not too bad. It didn't go on three hours like I was worried it was going to with as much we had to do. But there's enough meat in there that it made up for our absence for a while. I hope it did. So for those of you that were anxiously hitting the refresh button on your podcast app over the last couple of weeks and not seeing us come downloaded to your device, we apologize. That's right. But trust us, we were uh, having a good film festival. And now that that is done, we're back in the swing of things. We'll get together next episode where we'll have a couple more movies to discuss and some movie news to, uh, to chew on as well. As always, if you uh, want to check out back episodes, please go to the mesh.tv and you can see our show along with other shows and download any of the episodes you want for free. Listen to them on demand, however you want to. And Chris, we want people to talk to us. How, how can they come around talking to us? Send us an email at info at footcandled.com. Dot org and we'll see what you have to say or you can send us an email at info at the mesh.tv either place send us an email tell us what you think about our reviews what you liked what you didn't like uh alan and i also both have accounts on letterboxd and that's without the last e on there so it's boxd um, but we keep a diary of what movies we see and write short little reviews on there from time to time well, chris does I so, don't. so you can uh, <laughs> try i'm to time, check that out. time challenged unfortunately and then I would be remiss if I didn't say, 
filmmakers out there. We're actually opening up submissions November 1st for our 2017 festival, which will be in September 22nd through the 24th of 2017. We don't plan get a, ahead. We don't get a break at all, do That's we? That's right. All business. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, we are. We had such a great time. We're ready to get an early start on it this year and make sure we've got plenty of time for all filmmakers to submit their films for consideration. We just, uh, we, we had a great time. We're looking forward to next, uh, another good time next year, this time next year, late September. All right. Well, that is it for today. We will go ahead and wrap up the show. Again, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks, a couple weeks here with another episode. So stay tuned for that. And please let us know uh, your thoughts on what we're talking about. Until then, we'll see you uh, next episode. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.